Blow again. There we go. Here we go. Um, don't worry. I'm not the one uh, I'm preaching today. Come on. Say, oh. Uh, you guys are just saying that. Listen, uh, I have the privilege and the pleasure to introduce our guest speaker for today. Pastor Derek uh, is actually, was actually in, in the Dominican Republic, and they just flew in this morning. So we are blessed to have a guest speaker today. And, 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 and this guest speaker is someone who I admire a whole lot. Somebody who has played a major influence in my life, uh, either directly or indirectly. And just to share a little bit with you guys, about nine years ago, um, I came to Connect for the first time. Back then it was Metro West Worship Center. And, and I've been a Christian my whole life. My, my father's a pastor. I, I was raised uh, as a Christian. But I was actually looking for a place to belong. And I wanted to have um, clear direction from God. And I went to different, a couple of different churches, and then I, I ended up here. And then uh, I liked it. So I kept on coming for a little bit. Uh, I think probably about a month after um, somebody came and hugged me right at the end of the service. And, and this somebody told me, uh, it's been, I think he said, it's been eight years that I'm praying for someone like you uh, to come to our church. And that was just a confirmation that I needed. I turned around. It was, it was our guest speaker today. I almost gave it away. Um, but it's someone that, again, has played a major influence in my life uh, and, and in the life of hundreds, if not thousands of people. Actually, definitely thousands of people. Um, he's the founder of, of our ministry. He's the founder of Metrest Ministries. Um, and you always, he's always very honored by all of us here at Connect, you know, especially by our own pastor, Pastor Derek Fry, every time the pastor says, my dad says, or my dad said, or my dad used to do this, or used to do that, he's always honoring his father. And that's exactly who our guest speaker is today. Come on, let's all stand up and give a warm, connect welcome to our guest speaker, Pastor Ernie Fry. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Just look at the crowd here today. It's good to see you. Everyone blessed already? Amen. You comfortable? Just touch somebody and say, I'm comfortable. I'm peaceful. Is Dr. Ette here? Where is he? Dr. Ette, Dr. Ette just say happy birthday to him. He's 60 years old. He's bragging. He's written a new book. You see him about that, but uh, I just thought it would be nice for you to know. Uh, he's an author, of course, a dear friend. I was at his birthday party. It's the biggest birthday party. Anybody else here make, the, make his party? Yeah. It's the biggest birthday party I've ever been at. People come and preachers from all over the world, and they, and they preach. They don't ever stop preaching. They just <laughs> preach until they fall over dead. <laughs> but they're tremendous. Good food. Oh, it was, it, was, it was an awesome time to be together. Is Michael Martino here? Here he is. Michael Martino's first published book, Shrouded Deception. And uh, so just see him about that. You might want to get a copy of it. Michael's a protege of mine. When I first left the corporate world, uh, the president of my company told me when I, when I told him that I was going to leave... A position. Imagine a, at 30 years of age, 
pretty pretty top position when you're an officer in the what what at that time was the largest stock life insurance company in the world, and I go into his office and tell him I'm going to leave uh, the Franklin. It was Franklin Life was the name of the company, and I'm going to go into the ministry. And he said to me, "Young man, you better go back to the hotel and think it over." <laughs> and guess what? I went back to the hotel. <laughs> I went back to the hotel and thought it over. I said, how are you going to, how are you and that beautiful bride and all those children? He, did, he didn't, he's the president of the company I'd worked with. He says, all those children. We only just had one child at that time. Janelle was not born. <laughs> I realized I can't keep working with somebody who doesn't even know uh, what size my family is. And, and we're, we're this close. And so I'm just going to do this. And so that's what we did. Came back here to New England. At one point, we had about 19 people. Were you in that first group, Joyce? Yeah, Joyce here, she'll tell you that I'm not lying. So from about 19 people, we established a ministry that's now international. Amen. Pretty amazing thing that God can do when you decide to believe in. Most of what I'm going to be talking to you about today is just born out of my own experience, really. Uh, and and uh, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, the first uh, of this message w w is based on a whole decision that we've made here in Connect to begin a Be a Champion sequence. We're going to talk about all kinds of methodology to become a champion. In order to be a champion, we've got to live by a certain blueprint, which is approved by God. To live that champion life, we've got to figure out what's God's plan and purpose, what His plan and purpose is for us. This morning, I'm going to kick off things uh, with the title, The Dream Giver and the Journey of the Dream Receiver. A number of years ago, Rand and I were ministering in South Africa, across Africa, actually. But in that, that particular country in Johannesburg, there was an author who now lives in Georgia, believe it or not, here in the United States, and wrote the book, the original book that you might want to get, called The Dream Giver. It became a New York Times bestseller, that book. And, uh, and so it's out of thoughts that uh, God uh, cultivated and, and uh, watered and, and uh, developed in my mind from my familiarity with that book that my message comes to you uh, this morning. Can you say the dream giver, the dream giver. and the dream receiver? The dream receiver. God, is the God is the dream giver and I is the dream receiver. Amen. Let me introduce you to the subject. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 7, Solomon warns to test the validity of any dream against the Word of God. Job in Job 33:15 says that God speaks multiple times in night dreams. Joel 2:28 says, "And it shall come to pass that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh." And children will prophesy, young men will see visions, and old men will dream dreams. That little sequence, just so that you know, what I'm talking about today is not something I picked up from a fortune teller. Uh, I don't go near those places. It is something that's biblically based. And I'm, wanting, I'm, wanting, I'm trying to embrace you and wanting you to receive from me that that is actually true not just collectively, but for you individually in your life. 
some time ago in, in some folks here today's life, you were believing something was going to take place in your life. You thought you had heard from God. And too much time passed, at least from your perspective, and you begin to fall away from the conviction that this sense and, uh, and uh, appropriation of what your life was going to become was no longer effective. You lost your dream. You fell asleep. And no longer was the dream being affected in your life. I'm hoping to uh, set a spark on, on a, into a flame in your life today that something that you once were believing was true and was going to happen for you and it has not. Too much time passed. There's always a test. You'll understand in the depth of my message that that happens. But it's possible to retrieve that. You simply make decisions. Faith is a subject that I've taught for most of my uh, ministry, but faith does not work unless you make a decision to believe. I have been able to achieve many things by faith, but it's not just because I said I have faith. I had to actually believe it and make a decision to believe it and stick with it no matter what opposition, and an opposition does come, no matter what opposition seemed to oppose what I was believing for. How are you doing so far? You, 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 I feel like I might be boring you. It gets, I'm starting to get all nervous. Okay. I'm very fearful in public anyway, as you can see. So, dear friends, believe in your dream. Now, what is that like? I mean, can you please explain the nature of dreams? What is that like? It, it's, a, it's an inner knowing, a kind of certainty. It goes away, comes back, goes away, comes back. But somehow you have uh, an awareness of the definition of what it is you hope to take place in your life. Maybe one of your great hopes right now is the repairing, the reparation of aspects of your life that have been destroyed. And you believe that that's it. It's too late for me. Who could believe that could ever happen? I made this mistake. I never should have said that. Look at that. It's not improved since the last time I prayed about it. All these kinds of things. I will, I will give you the opportunity in the next few minutes to understand how you turn all of this around. You turn it around. You have power. You have authority over everything that tries to destroy you, hinder you, encumber you, trip you up. You can do that. You can do that because of what you decide to believe and what you decide to discard. I'm telling you what, this white boy likes that. Did you hear that? <laughs> Praise God. You hear that, enemy? Uh, uh, Do you hear that, et Anna, Ete? Yeah, a guy down here calling me white boy. <laughs> what kind of church is this? <laughs> Amen. You've been digging up stuff about my family, I can tell. So number one, you have to believe in your dream. Say, I need to, do, I need to believe in my own dream. And dreams happen. It's like they say, things happen. Daniel 2 says that Nebuchadnezzar, who was the most powerful man in the whole world at that time, ruled Babylon, the most powerful country on earth in those days, had a dream. He kept having the dream. It was tormenting him in the night, waking him up, waking him up. He asked those in his court to find somebody who could tell me what this dream is all about that I keep having. I'm not, I can't even remember it, but I know that I'm distressed when I wake up. And so they found the, the, the prophet Daniel. 
And Daniel came to him and said that he'd ponder it. Tell me what your dream is like. He gets back to Nebuchadnezzar and says, I've got the information you've been looking for. You're going to die. <laughs> I hate to laugh at poor Nebuchadnezzar, but he's gone, and I didn't have anything to do with writing the Bible. <laughs> so some dreams are not good. You know, some dreams are not good, and certainly this one with Nebuchadnezzar was not. But most dreams, because of dependent upon the capacity and the, the life of the person having that dream can change the whole course of our life if we determine this is my dream I believe I can do this I'm going to do it and as soon as you make that kind of decision the very chemistry of your body your central nervous system I'm not trying to be spooky with you now begins to change when you decide to make that decision that your dream can come true I can always tell whether I'm reaching an audience because these, these things are very touching to me because they, they are true in my life. Now, here's what I've seen with people when they first recognize that they have a dream. They have something that has come into their mind and soul that affects them such that they're conscious of a need to somehow cooperate with this and even are wondering what they should do. I've seen this happen. They decide that they're going to step out and tell some people about this. Now, let me just tell you something right now. If you will not confess your dream, you will never possess it. Mm-hmm. There's three of guys actually liked what I said. If you, if you don't begin to speak out what you believe is true in your life, it will not work. And you will suffer some because people are like, can you believe that guy? He had me tied up 15 minutes telling me what he believed God told him and he's going to do this and there, that and all that. I mean, those people, don't they wear you out? You, you understand? You can, you can, people around you will mock you right off the, right, right off the, the, the uh, planet in thinking that you're going to amount to anything as soon as you start trying to, to act out your dream, which involves... Con actually confessing it before you're going to be possessing it. They'll think you're everything from arrogant to squirrely. Squirrely may not be a term you're familiar with, but it's, you, you just think, just say squirrely and you'll get an idea what squirrely means. <laughs> oh, man, can you believe that guy? He came up, he had me tied up for 20 minutes telling me about his dream. Goofy, you know? So you can be dismissed, and then, and then if you're too dependent upon the response that you get from people that you share your dream with, if you're too dependent on it, they'll take it away from you. Or you're making them nervous. It's not just that they think you're goofy. It's they're a little, they're a little you know, uh, envious that they're not having something that they're looking forward to and seeing it come to pass themselves. You have to press into this. Am I boring you so far here? Okay, because I, I, felt, I, felt like I, I get nervous now. You know how sensitive I am. Okay, so step two then is we have to leave these people in a way. In his book, the, the author of The Dream Giver says it's like leaving ordinary. That was the name of the village. I call it similarity, getting away from not just the place where we live, but the understanding we have, the sort of overall intellectual and social environment of the place. Uh, I call it similarity. We're going to have to get out of there, and people don't like it. They don't like it. They want to stop you. 
So leave and break away from similarity. It's comfortable to be in the midst of similar people, but that's not profitable for your dream. Is that written in your notes? Yes. Yes. See, it is comfortable to be around people who are like you, think like you, go along with you, expect you to be the same. That's comfortable, but it's not profitable if you have a dream. That's why you need to know what your dream is. Some people had a dream and they gave up. A number of things happened in their life, transpired in their life that caused them to be so discouraged, they actually came up mad at God. Now there's an energetic effort, being mad at God. Not smart, don't you agree? So no matter what it looks like, God is not your enemy. He is your helper, your father, the one who loves you. So you need to get past that. And, and you need to be certain that you get away from, at some point, people who are keeping you from acting on and receiving benefit from your dream. You may have to leave association with people like that. <laughs> yes, I agree. You may have to. You have to be in association with people who think like you, who believe that what you believe you can do, you can do. They're enthusiastic for you. They're not trying to talk you out of it. Right. Talking down to you like you're some sort of silly person who's believing some, something that's never going to take place. And they never will take place if you allow them to convince you that that's the case. I'm going to stop right now here. That's the trouble preaching sometimes. You get so involved in your preaching and you're going to go on. You're going to make the next point no matter what you actually think should be done now. But here's the deal. I, I just want you to know that... I've been at this a, a many years. This whole operation that we have, my wife's, the, the, the Derek and the family, most of the family except Randa, are, are flying home from the Dominican today. Randa will be home Tuesday. You know why? She'll take two more days cleaning everything up, going to the, my churches there, seeing what's happening, being on our campus, making everything the way she'd like it to be before she leaves. She'll, she's, she, does a, she goes in early and gets everything ready. She comes back. She doesn't come back until she thinks everything is in order when she comes back. She does that same thing with me in my life. Make sure I've got everything in order. <laughs> but you need people like that, right? So we need people, when we have a dream, we need people around us who may not be exactly like us, but they're for our dream. Yes. Right. Randa is a detailed person. I am not. I simply move and influence people to decide uh, to, decide to follow me in wherever it is I'm le leading. And then when I'm alone with her, she said, do you even know where you're going, Ernest? <laughs> <laughs> you're always starting something. And I'm saying, thank God you're always helping me but I don't like you talking to me this way. So I'm telling you what I'm... Men, men can't handle belittling from their wives, you know, because the, the, you know, what they think of you means too much. Enjoying this so far? So I'm just t down to earth telling you exactly what's happened. I mean, I just do things. Bless you, brother. I just do things that I believe God told me to do. And I'm not going to exaggerate and say it all worked, but a lot of it did. I'm telling you, that, that uh, president of the life of Franklin Life Insurance Company told me, you better go back to your room and think that over. I did. He committed suicide three years later. I tell you, he did. This is the largest stock life insurance company in the world. A man committed suicide. I'm not glad that it happened, but it did happen, which told me something about whether I was right in what I was doing when I went back to the hotel and thought it over. 
You don't know what's going to happen in the future. All you can really have confidence in is something you feel as though God has witnessed to your heart. People will reject you. You'll think they're against you. And sometimes they are, but by your persistence in following your dream, you prove them wrong. And they'll be friends with you again. Won't they, Michael? Yes. So this is what happens. Uh, I want you to know things that are very fundamental. This is not some big, heavy theological insight that I have. It's just one that's overlooked so much of the time in churches or in ministry. Are you you glad that I'm going to help you with this? Okay. So then... We come, it comes time to leave similarity. You start trying to break out of this thing. You, 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 you've shared with numbers of people already what you believe your dream is and what you're believing is going to happen. Maybe one in ten is an encouragement to you. Some people who want to act like they're not even discouraging you are just behaving, they really, you know, coming across as if they, they really care about you. That's the only reason they're saying these things. Have you ever had somebody who seemed to be helping you and they're really trying to help you? That's the only reason they're saying it, but somehow when you leave them, you feel discouraged or uh, knocked down worse than you were before? You have to be careful who you listen to. You have to get away from similarity. Leave and break away from similarity. It's comfortable to be in the midst of similar people, but that's not profitable for your dream. What does it feel like? You know, the dream. Inner conviction. Say conviction. Conviction. Oh, say it like you're mad at the word. Conviction. Conviction. So you have to have inner conviction. Internal assurance. Say that. Internal assurance. Somehow within me, I may not be able to explain it that well, but I know I'm doing what God would have me do. When you can say that and know it's true, you're on the right track. You need it. You need inner peace. You need a sense of inner witness that you're on the right track to be able to press ahead because you're going to come up against stuff that's intended to block, block your way and knock you off the track. It's inner conviction. It's internal assurance. So you you are a product of your own environment. Citizen, decide to depart. Decide to depart from your environment. Vamoose. Similarity. Old hat. Otherwise known as the ordinary village. You need to get out of there. You say, well, I live in Natick. Don't... (laughs) That's not the village I'm talking about. I'm speaking... I'm speaking in terms that are suggestive of getting out of an environment that you're in that's not good. You with me? So don't say, you know, I I live in Whitensville. Please, just that's not that's not the point. Now, along the way, you deal with all kinds of opposition and all kinds of obstacles. It's natural that that happens. We call we call them you're dealing with border bullies. And many, many times they're in your own family. I didn't hear any grunting and groaning on that. You just didn't want the people sitting next to you to know. <laughs> I forgot. Sometimes it's better not to sit with family. You can be freer in the church service, you know. You know. Just nudge the next person next to you and say, are you a border bully? You know. You get what I mean by a border belly? Border belly? Border bully? 
You know, this is what happens, is, is people oppose you. It looks like you're going to get away from them. If you, disturb, if you leave, you're going to disturb them. I'm reminding of a, reminded of a, a restaurant that Rand and I used to go to years ago when we were first married, and I grew up in Maine, in Portland, Maine, down on the dock facing the ocean is this restaurant called Boone's Restaurant, very good seafood restaurant. Uh, but one evening when we were leaving... There, we, we observed this couple trying to deal with a situation with an old man. And that is that he was coming up off the docks. In other words, here's a restaurant, and then there might be a whole platform that goes out over the water to where the boat is, and he comes up, and he's coming. And he has a pail full of crabs. And there's, you know, the handle like on a pail. He has it over his shoulder like this, and he's walking up off the dock with this pail full of crabs. <laughs> And then as he gets up further away from the water near, the, near to the parking lot, he's not going to go into the restaurant because they wouldn't let him in there with a pail full of crabs. You can see that there's a crab, one crab, crawling out of the pail. And so this couple hollers to him. I'm not going to say it was Rand and I. This couple kept hollering to him and say, Hey, old timer, there's the crab. He's going to get out of the pail. The guy just keeps going. Sir? Sir, the crab, it, it's almost out of the pail, sir. He's saying this louder and louder and louder to him. So finally, the husband, not the wife, runs up and says to the guy, Sir, there's a crab he's going to get out of the pail. He said, Those other crabs will never let him out of this pail. Now then, dear, now then, dear friends, when you decide to let your dream be known, and when you decide to start confessing it, that's speaking out loud about it to people you know and people you don't know about what God has told you is a dream from Him and that can come to pass if you'll act on it. When you start doing that, those crabs are going to try to keep you back in the pail. Even people who love you and in some respects really do truly love you and care about you, friends, neighbors, especially relatives, they think they're actually helping you at times. So I'd pray and fast, fast and pray. Pray into the midnight hours and ask God to confirm this dream that he's given you so that you can move ahead and act on it unencumbered. I know from my own experience over all these years that in this congregation today is a of wonderful people that I would say about 70% of you don't mind listening to what Pastor Fry said, Dr. Derek's father and all that. I heard about him and everything. I was glad to be here to take in the message. But you're not really taking in the sentiment of what I'm saying. But there's a percentage that are. There's a percentage you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm encouraging you to stay on the track you're on. And it's loaded with opposition. Diablos and his minions down here on earth can smell people like you and I miles away. And it is their job to stop us. I'm sure there are demons flying around this sanctuary right now saying that bald-headed jerk, he's still talking that same stuff. <laughs> Why can't we kill him? You know, he's going to encourage these people. What are we going to do? Give him a flat tire. 
or something. I'm being funny, but I'm just telling you, I know when things are opposing me. And so do you. Martin Luther King Jr. said, I have a dream that one day all of God's children, red and yellow, black and white, are going to come, to come together on level ground. I have a dream. I have a dream that one day one day I will have constructed the kind of organization in the Dominican Republic that will refine, this is my term, if you, if you look at the website, refine the potential of a nation. I'm an honorary member of their Senate now. The only reason I haven't spoken there is because I haven't learned Spanish. <laughs> I keep saying to, the, to, the, to the, uh, uh, the head of the Senate, can I bring an interpreter? <laughs> no, Ernesto, no interpreter. Learn the language, and you can pray for me on that. <laughs> Things go wrong. Once you break free from the control of doubters, you enter the unknown future. And along the way, along the way, this is what happens. God actually sends, just it really, he's sending me to you right now. God actually sends help, teachers, supporters along the way. Amen. Along the way, you meet people who enter your circumstances almost supernaturally. I know we've had this happen. They help you. They teach you. They share experience with you and encourage you not to quit, just like I am now. God, this, is, this is a church service, but this happens with people that I've met as total strangers in an airport. And they'll say something to me, and I'm thinking, whew. Actually, in my case, the hair comes up on the back of my arms. You ever, you ever had that happen? Uh, you know, you don't have to have that happen for something to be real, but that's what does happen to me. People come along and encourage you. I don't believe that that's accidental, coincidental, or anything. I think that's intentional. When the king of kings steps on the toes of Diablos and helps me, and has helped all these years, he sends teachers, helpers, supporters along the way. You, by this time, are maturing and beginning to prosper. Next is the land of giants. You just think it's starting to really go good. And wow, some big out of nowhere attack comes. Because the devil's backed off because he doesn't know what to do and he decides to hit you with a major plunge in some area of your life. It could be illness, uh, marital conflict. Let me just say something about marital conflicts. I didn't do this in the first service. I want to do it here. Did it ever occur to you that that was the devil? If your marital conflict has turned around because of your walk with God, wonderful. If it has not, did you ever think of not blaming your wife or not blaming your husband about that and start realizing that since your husband and wife, one flesh, so dependent, so, as it were, non-protective, so open and easy, easily hurt, that the devil would take advantage of those kinds of situations to cause you all kinds of trouble? You know, some people, there are some men 
who do not want to believe the devil's a problem because they want to be angry at their wife and vice versa. You don't even open to theological truth and sensibility because you'd rather, you'd rather not blame it on Satan. You'd rather let him get away with destroying your life. He destroys your life. He destroys the kind of observation that your children have had in what a family should be like. You follow me? You can't let him do that. You can't let him do it. You don't have to let him do it. So remember that. Illness, marital conflict, disappointment from your offspring. Sometimes we're disappointed with our offspring. My parents were disappointed with me. You have all kinds of things like vocational derailment. Even spiritual problems come out of nowhere. But you're ready now. You're ready now. You're able to win against the work of the enemy. You can. And when you reach this stage, seven of them that I just dealt with in the time that's passed, when you reach this stage, you're ready to start telling your story. Now, you can lose all that you've gained if you're quiet about what's happened. You need to tell what God has done for, me, for you and how it is you've overcome the devil's attempt to keep you down. Whatever you've gone through that's the greatest pain you've ever gone through, turn that into a victory and show other people how you can do it and that might be the reason you're alive. The Lord may have seen all of that the way it was going. Derek and I work out about three times a week. We see people in there straining, grunting, and groaning. It, repetition is the key. If you're dealing with resistance, weight, you have to have resistance. You can't grow without resistance. You follow this? Okay. If you want to go ahead and try to strain with the heaviest thing you can find in the place, go ahead and do that, dummy. But the better thing to do is to take some weight that does cause resistance and continue to increase your repetitions. Rep rep reps are more important than just seeing how much you can get off the ground. And that's what happening, is happening so very often in our lives. We're going through these things in order to build us and make us stronger for the next level. You went through some disappointment in some area of your life and you're embarrassed about that. How do you know that that was not training that God allowed you to go through? And if you'll see that as God taking you through all that and now you can use it in order to, be, to help other people who are going through that same trial... And your whole life changes because suddenly people need you because you have understanding. Someone who can empathize with them. And there are all kinds of people in that same kind of situation. Good you didn't sit on the first row. I, I would have spit right here in your lap. <laughs> you have to take that out of the tape. My wife won't like that when she listens to it. She'll, she'll say, what did you have? You didn't have to say that, Ernest. You were going so good and you start talking about spit. You get to the place where you're going to tell your story, friends. You're going to tell your story. Here's what, I want, here's what I'd like to do this morning before we part. If you know that the things that I've said really touched your heart, then I believe that I have the anointing. I believe this. This is an example of what I'm telling you you need to do. I have opened the ears of the deaf in a meeting. Charlie Erickson's been with me and seen these kinds of things happen.
A boy was downstairs in a meeting. Mary Trevolsi was the teacher downstairs in the meeting. I had about 50 people in the early days. I think you were there, Joyce. About 50 people in the place upstairs in this little building we were renting over here in Southboro. And I'm, I'm teaching faith to 50 people, trying to remember everything I learned from Kenneth Hagin and all the great faith teachers. I, I didn't know anything myself. I was just memorizing what I heard somebody else say in those days. In the meeting, and while I'm teaching the great faith teacher, Mary Trebolsi, for any of you who know her, used to be our teacher of young people, come, came upstairs with a deaf boy. You remember that, honey? Come upstairs with a deaf boy and, and whispers to me and said, oh, he's deaf and he wants you to pray for him. I'm thinking, this is what I was thinking. I cannot believe this Mary Trebolsi. I'm, I'm here teaching faith to these people. And they're believing, I can tell they're liking it. And she comes in here with a deaf boy. That's exactly the way I felt. I couldn't handle it. I was so angry at her, I didn't know if I could even pray for Chris. O'Donnell was his name. But I did because these people were watching me. And I was thinking, no, now, what would happen here? How would Smith Wigglesworth do this or Kenneth Hagin? So I spit in my hands. It's this kind of stuff they do. Jesus would go down sometimes and get dust out of the earth, if you've ever read that portion of Scripture. So I put my fingers in Chris O'Donnell's ears and said, Come out of him, you deaf spirit, in the name of Jesus. And nothing didn't look like anything happened. I said, Go ahead, Mary. And then when Mary left with Chris O'Donnell, I told the people, Have you ever read that portion of Scripture that said, And Jesus, the Bible says, And as they went, the healing came to them. But you didn't see it happen right away. I'm glad I remembered that scripture because it's the only way I could have any explanation with these people that the guy's still deaf. But the next morning, around 10 o'clock the next morning, the phone rang at our house. Where's Linda Terrio? Is she here? Oh, she's the first service. I didn't tell this story in the first service. She knows this is true. It's Linda Terrio. So the O'Donnells, who Dougie and Linda had brought into the church, called her and said they've called from, they've called from the uh, from the deaf school they said Chris is down there he's talking real loud and everything it's the same thing that always happens what is the same thing that always happens he can hear he can hear it's a true story can you hear okay all right, do you think there's application of what I've shared here today that would help you now, right now, in your life? Yes. If there is, I want you to come to the front. I'm going to lay hands for you. We're going to conclude the service. We won't keep you too long. All of you who need to move on, we'll understand that you may need to leave. Feel free to do that, but I'm going to lay my hands just briefly on every person who wants the touch of the anointing of God on their life in these areas that are concerns to them. And we're going to believe, I'm going to believe, this is going to turn around for you in Jesus' name.